Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning, 11 a.m. So glad you're here. My name is Taylor, one of the pastors on staff. And uh, yeah, it's Next Gen Weekend, and we love getting to highlight some of the things that God's doing in our kids' ministry, our youth ministry, young adults. And then behind me is uh, our college, our, our SLE. We call SLE School of Leadership Essentials. And um, before we talk about them behind me, I just have to say I'm so thankful for a church. I'm so thankful to have a pastor that values the next generation. Uh, you have to know many, many churches don't have vibrant youth ministries or kids' ministries. And it's not because of any other reason that this, their senior pastor doesn't value it. But at this house, we have a senior pastor that for decades has said, this church will be a place for young people and for kids to come and to know and to love Jesus. Aren't you thankful to be a part of a church? Isn't just for that. I'm so very thankful for, for Pastor Ray and his leadership and really giving us the empowerment and freedom to do whatever it takes to reach this, this generation with the gospel. Behind me is some young leaders that are amazing. Uh, we have a school here called SLE, School of Leadership Essentials. It's accredited through Northwest University. It's, it's all the things Northwest offers with education and formal degrees all online and everything we as a church are able to offer in discipleship and experiences. And so we are excited that we get to blend that and give them great education and give them awesome experiences. And so uh, we have two portions of our program. There's the 18 to 25, and those students, they come on campus every single week. They're discipled, they're poured into. Last week, we were able to take them on retreat, and we had a lot of fun, uh, which was awesome. And, uh, and then there's the, the second portion of our, our program is adult learners, 25 and up. And so behind me is there's some young adult learners and there's some adult and older adult learners. And uh, no, not old, not old. And um, we're grateful for this. So if you have any questions about getting your education, you know, the Bible calls us to be thinkers and learners. And one of the ways, not, not the only way, one of the ways that you can do that is by getting a degree in business or theology or uh, psychology or whatever communications. There's so many options that we can offer and it's all Christ-centered and all for a very, very reasonable, about a fourth of the price of what it would be to do it somewhere else. So uh, we're gonna pray for these behind me. There's some that are students and some like younger students and some that are in our adult learner program and we're grateful for them. So would you reach out a hand and pray for them with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank you for these amazing students behind me. Lord, I thank you for the, the young adults that some of them have been with us for four years. They started as freshmen and now they're seniors and they're getting ready to uh, go graduate and go to wherever you're calling them to be. I pray that these moments at our church would be continual marking moments. This is my prayer all weekend is these would just be marking moments for them. They can look back to their time at Calvary in this program and it would be like a catapult taking them to where you're calling them to be. And Lord, for some of the adult learners, those that are working full-time, and in addition to that, they're making themselves uh, stronger. They're becoming more of who you're calling them to be by doing some classes online. Lord, we, we are thankful for them. We're proud of them. We pray with them that as they balance being parents and workers and also getting their master's degrees and all the things that they're doing, Lord, would you bless them in their studies so that as they get shaped, they would be continue to be leaders in our businesses and our workplaces. And so, um, Lord, if there's anyone in this room that maybe wants to be a part, I pray that you would make a way uh, so that they could be in Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said amen. 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 Give these friends a round of applause as they go today. And 
If you uh, want more information, there's a massive booth out there that you can't miss as you leave this morning. I've been saying at these services, if any of them wanted to stay up here and preach with me, they could, but none of them have chosen to yet. Um, Stand to your feet one more time with me this morning, if you'd be so willing. We're gonna read the word. We do this at Calvary to remind ourselves that the teacher this morning is the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And that regardless of who stands on this platform, what's most important is that God's presence is here and that his word is taught. And so we're thankful that you're here to be a part of this. Uh, I'm gonna read two passages of scripture. I'm gonna start in Judges chapter two and then where I'm gonna spend most of my time is 1 Corinthians chapter three. So let's read Judges chapter two, verse 10. It says this, when the whole generation had passed away, another generation came after them who did not know the Lord or the things that he had done for Israel. Israel was in a time of judges when this was written, meaning there wasn't a formal king over Israel. There would be a, a, someone that might come judge for a number of years, and then they would move on, or they would be kicked out of leadership, and in Israel wouldn't have a leader. Israel was in the cycle of when they served and loved God, things were going really well for them. And then they'd go through a season of saying, we don't like our leader, we don't like God's blessing, we wanna do things our own way. And so God would remove the judge over leadership. And it was this constant cycle for a long time in Israel's history of just judge after judge, blessing, judgment, blessing, judgment, blessing, judgment. And in some of those times, there was a time when in one generation they knew the Lord and then the next generation grew up and wasn't past the baton of faith. And that's our prayer at Calvary Community Church is that we'd be a place that that the next generation wouldn't be left behind, that they would be continually brought into the household of faith. And it leads me of what I I believe the Lord put on my heart for this weekend. In 1 Corinthians chapter three, verses five through nine, it says this, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. And as the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God is the one who gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. We are God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building. And so, Lord, we just ask one more time that you would meet us at this moment in these next 25 minutes that we would be open to what you wanna do in our lives, that we'd be open to how you wanna shape us. We'd have not just open ears, we'd have open hearts. Shape us to be the people of hope that you've called the church to be. You haven't called us to be just fans that watch what's happening on the field. You've called us to be participants in the kingdom of God. And so shape us towards that end, we pray in your name. Amen. I may be seated this morning. I wanna start with I wanna start with this statement this morning. There are no superstars in God's kingdom. Amen? This, this Tuesday, they'll be at GBB, they'll be Superman, they'll be Batman, they'll be Spider-Man, they'll be Thor, they'll be Mr. Incredible, and those are just the adult costumes that'll be here. <laughs> and there are no superheroes, supermen or superwomen in God's kingdom. In fact, I'll say it this way, there's no superheroes, there's just servants. In God's kingdom, it's just a bunch of ordinary, average people empowered by an extraordinary Holy Spirit that wants to use us, all desperate for God's grace and all participants in how that grace gets shared into the world. 
See, this is what Paul was trying to address in 1 Corinthians chapter three. There, there was two people. There was the Apostle Paul, which many of us know the Apostle Paul. He wrote letters. He was a church planner. He, he corresponded back and forth with all these churches in Ephesus and Galatia and Corinth and Thessalonica and others. And he had these relationships. He'd plant the church and then he'd go and he'd send letters back and forth. And then he had a good friend named Apollos. There was Paul and then there was Apollos. Now, Paul was his good friend. Paul was the evangelist. And many historians believe that Apollos was the, was the discipler. He was the one that Paul would plant the church and then Paul would move on and Apollos would come behind and would begin to care for the church and teach the church and shepherd the church. And so what was happening was the people of faith in Corinth in particular were looking at people like Paul, people like Apollos were saying, I, I actually, I follow that guy named Paul. He's the one I follow. And then others say, no, 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 I think Apollos is the better leader. I follow Apollos. And they're, they're saying, Paul is saying, no, no, Paul is great, Apollos is great, but none are greater than Jesus. There's no platforms in the kingdom. It's all of us just using our gifts to be who God's calling us to be. He's leveling the playing field saying, don't trust all of your, put all of your trust in Paul. Don't put all of your trust in Apollos. It's actually God the one that brings the growth. This is what he's saying. And then what he does is he uses a farming analogy to, to make his point. He, he says, it's actually about planting, it's about watering, and it's about watching God do the growth. And that's what I wanna talk about this weekend on this Next Generation Weekend. I wanna, I wanna say that in, in all of our lives, it is all of our responsibility to be the people that God's called us to be, not just for us, but for the next generation. I don't believe it's just up to the youth pastor or to the children's pastor or to the youth workers that volunteer their time or to our youth staff or our kids staff to care for the next generation. I wanna say this weekend, it's actually all the church's responsibility to care for the next generation. In fact, if you have someone in your life who's 25 or younger, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, most of us, if not all of us, have someone who's 25 or younger and I believe that God wants to shape us this weekend to give us a perspective of planting, of supporting, and of watering, and coming alongside the next generation to see that this is all of our role. And so that's the first thing I wanna talk about this morning is to plant seeds of prayer and faith for our young people. The first thing you can write down, I think all of our call in this next generation weekend is to plant seeds of, and I use these words very intentionally, of prayer and of faith in our young people. Verse five of 1 Corinthians three that I read, I'll read it again. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They're servants. They're servants through whom you believed. And as the Lord assigned to teach, I planted. This is the first thing that Paul says. He says, I planted. This might sound obvious, but I feel like it's just worth saying. If you want to receive a crop, you must first plant a seed. Amen? If you wanna see, if you wanna have a harvest of corn, you must first plant corn seeds, right? If you wanna see a harvest of pumpkins, you must first plant pumpkin seeds. If we want to have a harvest of faith, we must be intentional about harvesting faith seeds. We must be intentional about planting faith seeds, rather, planting seeds in prayer and of faith so that we can harvest a fruit later. I, I was thinking about, could you imagine if you were a farmer 
Maybe there's a few in this room and you were trying to have a harvest. Let's just use the analogy corn. And you're trying to harvest some corn later on. And so you say, okay, I'm just gonna take these corn seeds. I'm just gonna close my eyes. I'm just gonna start scattering these corn seeds all over my property. Maybe some of them will land on my property. Maybe some will land on the neighbor's property. And I'm just gonna believe that maybe when it's time to harvest, there'll just be some corn that might show up in my property, hopefully, right? How many know if you were a farmer, you would not see the corn that way, right? Farmers are some of the most meticulous careful people. They'd say, I need this harvest of corn for my livelihood. I need to make sure that I get the most out of every single seed. So uh, a farmer would, would plant in very clear rows. They would know exactly when they planted, how they planted, and when they're believing that that harvest is going to come. Friends, it's the same with faith. We can't just blindly throw some seeds out and Throw some seeds and we feel like it and believe that that's going to produce the harvest of faith that this world needs. I believe we have to be the types of people that plant seeds of faith with, with prayer and with intentionality. If there's any people, and hear me this morning, if there's any people that must believe in the next generation, it needs to be the church. I'm gonna say it again because I know a few of you heard it, but I don't know if everyone over here heard it. If... <laughs> If there's a group of people that need to believe in the next generation, it needs to be the church. Nobody else is, is believing, is, is standing in faith for like the church does. The church is a special place. The church is where Jesus says, all the children come unto me. The church is where we ought to stand in the gap between all the things happening in the world and all the things that we believe our kids can be. Friends, we gotta plant seeds of faith. I, I believe that we, we, have to, we have to look at our kids, our young people, our, like for my family, we have, we have a, a two-year-old. And I have to believe, and I have to and believe in faith that my two-year-old's gonna grow up to be a leader to impact this community. I, I believe in our houses and our families. We, we have to be, whether you're a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa or an uncle, or you're just someone that has some young people in your life, we've gotta be people to say, I'm, I, I believe that God can do great things in and through you. I believe regardless of it all, God can use you. And I just don't believe that by planting seeds of faith. I do it by praying prayers of faith. I do it by praying intentionally. I just have to ask this so, so kindly. I just more mean this as a reflection point to you, not like a, not like a guilt thing, but more like, do you, do you pray for your kids? Do you, do you pray, like, do you have a moment in your life, a moment in your day when you intentionally pray for your kids or your grandkids. I was at last service, uh, a grandma caught me, or actually after the 6 p.m. last night, a grandma caught me and she said, I have 12 grandkids and every day I pray for each of them by name. She wakes up and prays for them. You know, I believe that someone prayed for you one day. Someone was praying for you that you'd come to faith. I know someone was praying for me. I, I am who I am because I had a praying mom, praying grandma, praying faith people, praying people around me that believed that God could use me. And I, I believe that God has now called me into ministry, maybe in a lot of ways because of praying people that were believing for me. How about you? Have, would the same be true of you? That maybe you were in a, in a stray season, you were running from God and God was so gracious to pursue you. God was so gracious to follow after you and to not let you just go your own way, but kept pursuing you home. And he was so gracious to put some praying people in your path. 
God calls us to be praying people, to plant seeds of prayer. I love this parable. It's one of my favorite ones that Jesus shares. In Luke chapter 18, he says this, then Jesus told his disciples a parable just means story, a story to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said in a certain town, there is a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And then there was a widow in that room who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but he finally said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And then the Lord said, listen what the unjust judge says. Verse seven, and will not God bring justice for the chosen ones who cry out to him day and night, who keep putting them off, I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And quickly, however, the Son of Man comes and will find, will he find faith? Will he find faith on the earth? I pray like this persistent widow, we would be persistent in prayer. Friends, prayer changes things. God hears our prayers. He hears our persistence. The scriptures call us to pray without ceasing. The scriptures call us to pray at all times. The, pray, the scriptures call us to pray continually. Prayer changes things. And I know that sometimes it can be discouraging to pray. I know that sometimes we pray and we pray and we pray and we don't see the results in which we're looking for or hoping for. We pray and we pray and I know that it can be discouraging and, and I know not just that, I know that it's dark in the world in which we live and so it feels like, where do you even start? I, I know that social media has changed an entire generation. I know that there's cultural, cultural currents, these currents that are pulling our kids and children away from the shallow end into the deep end which is nearly impossible to navigate as they're learning to swim. I, I know that the, there's more loneliness in this culture than we've ever had more individualism than we've ever had. I know that the narratives in which that are coming at us through social media, through things we hear, through the things we observe, all these narratives are confusing, they're intimidating, and we don't often know where to start, what to think, and how to navigate those things. But can I tell you, if you don't know where to start, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to think about it, start with prayer. Pray more than worry. Pray more than gossip. Pray more than strategize in your own strength. How many know God, God hears our prayers and God is gracious to grant us wisdom according to the things we need in our season? Pray, 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 pray without ceasing. Pray like this widow. I, I believe that if we pray persistently, we plant hope, we believe in faith, God honors our prayers. And so we plant seeds of prayers and of faith. And then we don't just plant seeds, but we also, we, we support. Everyone say support. Number two, we support the growth of that of that seed. This is what Paul continues to say in that verse. He said, I planted, the second thing, Apollos watered. Apollos watered. See, this could be, I could probably do a whole message on this of, of sometimes you're the one that plants the seed and sometimes you're the person that waters the seed. Sometimes you're at work at a season and that time and you're the one planting seeds but you never see fruit, but that's okay because God's gonna bring in Apollos maybe after you leave to water the, the seeds that you planted years ago. 
Your, your kids, they might have a current set of people that are encouraging them right now, planting seeds. One day, God's gonna bring some Apollos that will, Apollos that will continue to water the seeds. A whole, this could be a whole teaching of how sometimes we're the seed planters, sometimes we're the waters. But I do believe that all of us, in the end of the day, we are called to support. We're called to be people that come alongside the seed and help it grow, help it stay strong. The, this summer, I, uh, I, I started a new hobby, and it was a lot of fun. I'm gonna call him out. Caleb is in the service. He, he gave me uh, a bag of, of bulbs. He's, him and his wife have been growing these most beautiful flower gardens for years, and all of us were getting envious of him. And so he said, here's some bulbs so you can start your own uh, flower garden. So I started my own, and I went to Amazon, and I bought this flower bed, and it came, and I assembled it, and got it all ready to go, and uh, Caleb has been like my coach the entire time. I've been like texting like, and um, so I planted them on, on Mother's Day. Mother's Day and planted these bulbs. They're dahlia plants, by the way. And so planted these and man, I was out there every single day, the day after I planted them, looking to see, okay, did these things sprout yet? Right? It's like the next day you're like, of course they're not sprouted yet, but I'm like looking out and, and uh, then every day and then eventually the, like the sprouts, they come. And, they, and uh, it was fun there because there was a bunch of us that he was so gracious. And so there's a few of us that we were like comparing to see who had, the most, who had the most flowers. And Caleb won for sure, no doubt about that. He's way. And secondly, I think Alexis, who was on our staff, she might've also got the second most. And I'm really bitter and jealous about it and asking God, what in my life do I need to repent of in order to have more flowers next year, right? And, uh, but it's been really fun because uh, as these dahlia plants have grown, I've, I've learned a ton. And most of the time, I've learned based upon my failures. And I, I, Caleb was saying, hey, you gotta, you gotta support these dahlia plants. And so I got some string and I supported them. But as they got taller and taller and taller, and as they started to grow and grow and grow, uh, the string just wasn't strong enough. And so there was this one morning I came out, and all of these things were starting to bud into bloom. And it, and it actually cracked off of the stem of, of, the, of the dahlia plant. Is this making sense this morning? And like right away, it's like, I gotta go get some stronger support. <laughs> and I like went to McLennan's and got the things I needed to get the rest of the plants stronger to where they need to be. Friends, it's the same with faith. We plant seeds of faith and prayer of our young people and they're gonna sprout and it's gonna grow. And then there's gonna be a time when our young people the next generation, maybe they're even your adult kids at this point, they're gonna need you to come and to give them some strong support. That's our role, to help, to, help, to help them grow, to help them not break off, to help them stay strong. I could give you 10 practical examples of what I think it might mean to support the next generation, but I wanna give two this morning. The first one is this. I think our young people need, they need, they need mentorship, the young people in our culture, in our church, in our culture, in your businesses, in your workplaces, the young people in your life, they need mentorship. Now, what is mentorship? I'll tell you what mentorship is not. Mentorship is not telling, right? Mentorship is not, hey, you need to do these 10 things to follow Jesus. Now, good luck and go get it, right? That's, that's not mentorship. Mentorship is showing Mentorship is saying, Here, here's what the scriptures say. 
Now let's meet tomorrow and let's, let's go through this together. Mentorship is saying, this is what it means to pray. Now will you meet me tomorrow morning and let's pray together, right? Mentorship is saying, this is how you read the Bible, but then let's meet next week and let's do a devotional together so we can explore the scriptures together. Mentorship isn't saying you go fix that. Mentorship is saying there's a need that we need to fix together. Let's go together and let me show you how. To, is this making sense this morning? Our young people are desperate for mentorship. There's a lot of tellers all over the place. On their phones, they can scroll and find all the tellers. They, they can go to YouTube and find all the how to fix it videos right? But how much more powerful is it when they says, I know that your sink is broken. You can go to YouTube and try and figure it out on your own, but what if I came to your house and we did it together? That's mentorship. And our young people are desperate for it. Can I just tell you, some of the greatest leaders in our youth ministry, we have a lot of great leaders from younger all the way up. Some of our greatest leaders are our grandmas and grandpas that have decided to come back at this stage and to come pour into the next generation. They're leading sixth grade or seventh grade groups and they, they are, their students flock to them. They're so, why? Catch this, because when faith is tested, faith can be trusted. And faith is only tested when you go through the tough things of life. And when someone has gone through the tough things of life and gone through the ups and the downs and all the things that go on in their life, people like me, younger people, look and say, I need to get some of the things that you have because you've gone through the tough things and I need to listen to you and I need to hear the wisdom that you have because you've gone through the ringer and you're still saying, God is good, God is faithful, I'm still in God's word, I'm still married, I'm still all, the, and I need, I, need to hear, I need to hear that wisdom. Are you with me this morning? That's mentorship. And it's not perfect examples, amen? <laughs> but it's, it's examples of saying, yeah, this is my life, here it is. Now let's, let's journey through together. Our young people need mentorship. Secondly, our young people need God's word. Our young people need truth. In a world where truth is up for grabs right now, there must be a group of adults that say, yeah, but we stand on something stronger than the cultural climate. We stand on, we stand on solid ground of the word of God. Our young people need God's word. In fact, I was reading, this is just so fascinating. I was reading from the Center for Bible Engagement. They did some research on the power of Bible reading. They, they interviewed thousands and thousands of, of Christ followers, people that read the scriptures, and, and it showed that Bible engagement uniquely above some of the other spiritual disciplines that all are super important. Don't hear me. They, they're really important. But they showed that Bible engagement has a, unique, has a unique way in shaping and forming a person. In fact, they found this, and when someone reads the Bible four times or more a week, there is some, there's some statistically some things that change in their life. And they can, they can prove it by someone that commits to God's word and reads it four times or more a week. This is what they found. They found this. Drinking to excess goes down 62%. That viewing pornography goes down 59%. Having sex outside of marriage, 59%. Gambling, lashing out in anger, gossiping, lying, neglecting family, having difficulty forgiving others, all go down 20, 30, 40%. And those are the external things that happen in a person's life. There's also some internal things that when someone's in God's word four times or more a week, 
It actually gives them more peace. In fact, they, they feel less discouraged by 31% less discouraged, 30% less lonely, overeating or mishandling food down 20%, having difficulty forgiving yourself goes down 26%. Thinking unkindly goes down. Experiencing fear and anxiety goes down. Feeling bitter, hello. That one goes down 40%. 40%, that's a big deal. Thinking destructively about self or others goes down. And feeling like they have to hide what they do or feel goes down by 32%. All by reading the scriptures four times or more a week. Wow. Does that blow your mind like it blows mine? Now, now hear me. A couple of disclaimers. Hear me. Number one, uh, there is so much power in God's word. The scriptures speak that it's the words of life. It's the words of truth. It's, it's the words of uh, guidance. Like when God created the world, and he's like, I'm the one who created the world. I'm the one who knows how the world's supposed to function. If you'll live by the principles of this book, you'll have human flourishing. That's what the scriptures are for us. And you'll know God's heart and you'll know his love. But what I'm not saying this morning is that you shouldn't go to counseling still. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have good resources and you shouldn't process your past or you shouldn't, like all of those things. Like I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm saying Start by reading God's word four or more times a week. And then maybe in addition to, you need to seek out some external help for some things. But friends, what I want you to hear is is our young people, they need to be supported by mentorship and of God's word. I I pray that we would have a love for God's word. Oh oh God, that your church would love your word. That your church would would realize that, like like it says in Proverbs, that this book is like sweeter than the honeycomb. It's like the words of life. It's more precious than gold. That the grass will wither and the flower will fade, but God's word will remain forever. That, That opinions will come and emotions will come and emotions will go and opinions will go. But this book and its timeless truths for generation after generation after generation continue to be the words of life for the church. I pray our young people have a passion for God's word. And this is what's also so fascinating to me. All those things go down, but you wanna know what goes way up when someone reads God's word four or more times a week? Here's what goes way up. 231% more discipleship happens. Wow. And sharing your faith with others goes up 228%. I don't even know how those percentages work past 100. I just know that's a lot more, right? And... So may we be people that, that know and love God's word. You know it's never too young to read God's word to your kids. From the minute Liam's been born, we've been, we've been speaking scriptures over his life. And just now, as he's getting to be two, he knows verses like, do not fear, for God is with me. When it's, when it's scary and he gets scared at night and it's too dark in his room, his mom will walk in and say, what does God remind you? Do not fear, why? And he'll say, because God is with me, mommy, Right? These are things that we can continue to show our kids. And he also has a kid's Bible. And now he starts to read us some of the Bible stories. We're still working on his hermeneutics and his theology, but we're working on it together. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the practice that, that helps. Anyways, our young people need support. And the next generation needs support through mentorship in God's word. Number three, and I'll slow down because I wanna, if, if you would allow me to, I would be honored to pastor you this morning a little bit. 
Number three, for moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. I love what the scripture says. It says that Paul planted, Apollos watered, but the most important thing is God's the one that gave the growth. Why is this, why is this such good news this morning? Oh, because we play our role. Don't get me wrong. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, people with young people in your life, we play our role of planting. We play our role of watering and supporting. But friends, hear me this morning. There comes a point in our lives and in our parenting and in our, that we, we take the burden that we feel and we loosen the grip and we say, God, I've done my part, and now, Lord, I just am gonna trust in faith that you will do your part. Are you with me this morning? Oh, I know, I, I know that parenting is hard. I, I just have one two-year-old. Some of you have seven, not two-year-olds, but seven kids. <laughs> and wow, right? Like, I, I don't know how you do I was joking with someone earlier. I was like, I don't know like, what I'm gonna be for Ghostbusters and blowout on Tuesday yet, but I'm like, I might just show up as a tired parent, right? Just like sweatpants, hair not put together, and baggy eyes, because that's how I feel 80% of life, right? And parenting, it's the, our kids are a blessing, and they're a gift from God. He has blessed us to be parents. But also, let's just not, kid, it's also really hard sometimes. It can be weary when you don't, when you don't get sleep. And you somehow have to still go function as an adult at work, living on 30 minutes of sleep and seven cups of coffee, right? Or you're at work all day and you've had a stressful day and a hard day and you come home and yet your, your kids, they don't need to know that about mom or dad. They just, they want, they want emotionally present mom and dad. And I know the tension of that. I know how hard it can be to be at work all day and then to come home and you have all these a million things going through your minds and yet here comes a two-year-old running and that's all that matters in that moment. I know how hard that is. But moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, people with young people, can I just encourage you, don't grow weary. Don't give up. This is what the scriptures say. Paul says this in Galatians 6 in the same, in the same vision of sowing and reaping. He says, when a man sows, he'll reap. For when he sows his flesh, the will of the flesh will reap corruption, but the one who sows the spirit, the will of the spirit will reap everlasting life. And catch this, and let us not grow weary. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of faith. At the end of this morning, I'm gonna pray for moms and dads and believe that God wants to give you strength and energy this morning. Here's the last thing. Last thing I'll say is we've, we plant, we support, we don't grow weary in the process. And what we do, I feel like this is a lot of the honor we get to have as faith people is we wait and watch the things that God's gonna do. Just like, just like for me, when I planted those dahlia bulbs, looking out the window every day saying, okay, when's, when's, it, gonna, when's it gonna sprout? And now looking out, when's it gonna bloom? And now when the first freeze came, they all just went bye-bye, right? Like, but like you look out and like there's this expectation you have about waiting and watching to see what God does. James chapter five, verse seven says, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits. The farmer waits for the land to yield its crop, 
patiently waiting, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains, just like, just like farming, raising the next generation, whatever your role is in this, and all of us have a role, it's way more of a long game than it is a short game. It's way more about waiting and watching. You know, for, for me, in my, in my life, I, I, get to, I get to meet and hang out with youth pastors, some older than me, and now that I've been in this for a little bit, I get to disciple and mentor some younger youth pastors. And one of the things that I find so often in other churches when I meet with other youth pastors, they say, yeah, I have a, I have a, a one or two year vision. I'm excited for what God wants to do in one or two year vision of my youth ministry. And can I tell you, friends, here at Calvary Community Church, we, as a church, we don't have a one or two year vision of youth ministry. We have an eight or 10 year vision of youth ministry. We, I, I'm much less worried about what can happen in a week and way more worried about what can happen in a year. I'm much less worried about what can change in two months and way more worried about what will happen when a sixth grader commits to a discipleship process and by the time they get to be juniors in high school, how strong in their faith they will be. I'm way more interested like myself, like I came to Calvary as a little nugget, like just a little dude, and I think fourth or fifth grade and came all the way through. And I'm way more interested when your kids, if you parents will continue to commit to a local body of believers over the long term, over the ups and the downs and the good and the bad and the things you agree with and the things you don't agree with and all the things that happen in a church community like this, if you'll just commit and say what's important is long-term faithfulness. What's important is a long obedience, as Eugene Peterson says, a long obedience in the same direction. If I'll just keep committing, I'll keep planting seeds, I'll keep watering and keep supporting, and then I'll keep waiting in expectation to see what God wants to do. Man, I, I, I am excited for what God wants to do, and I know it's gonna take work. I know it's not easy, just like farming, it's not easy, it's hard, but I'm expected. I'm expected that the prayers that we pray as a church will turn into a generation that knows and loves the Lord. I believe that the conversations that we have that are supporting our, our, the next generation, I believe the fruit of that will be a discernment and a wisdom into the next generation. I believe that the times we didn't quit, mom and dad, the times we kept showing up in faith even when we were tired, oh, we'll be stronger for it and our kids will be stronger for it because mom and dad kept raising them in the ways of God. For the honesty, the seeds of honesty that we plant, oh, I believe that's gonna reap fruit of trust in the future. For the forgiveness that we plant, I believe is gonna reap reconciliation in the future. Friends, church, what I'm trying to lift your eyes up to see this morning, what I'm trying to broaden your horizons to see this morning is our role as adults, whatever, whatever your life looks like, our role is just to plant some seeds all over the place, to, to plant seeds and to plant seeds in faith and in prayer and to support and to water. We plant, we water, and then we watch the next generation get the fruit. How many want to hand to church? Yeah, that's what we do. And I, as for me, I want Liam to grow up in a church where it's like the harvest is bountiful. Why? Because the previous generation planted a bunch of seeds. Amen, right? <laughs> yes. Stop talking, he's saying. One more scripture. John chapter four, just so you know, this is a biblical, this is a biblical thing. The saying one sows and another reaps is true. Jesus says this. 
I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Catch that? I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Who just wants to commit to say, as for me, I may never see the fruit, but I'm just gonna keep planting seeds and I pray one day Liam gets to harvest all of it and the, for the glory of God. I'll end with this picture. Uh, this was a, a couple of weeks ago. Liam was, uh, before service, he knew service was about to start, so he walks into the parent room over here. He grabs a, a white chair, brings it out to the back of the sanctuary. You know, church kids always breaking things and moving things around, right? So he brings pastor's kids, brings in the back, and, and then he notices my wife is standing next to him, and so he realizes, well, if I have a chair, my mom needs a chair. So he goes and he gets a chair, and so Megan is sitting on a tiny little white chair. It's tough to tell. <laughs> Uh, and so they sit there and so, you know, for a second, Liam's like content. He's like proud, of, you know, like kid proud of himself. He's like, I'm proud of myself. Like I brought, brought the chair out for my mom and now we're just sitting here ready for church and then worship starts and worship starts and he lifts his hands and he says, mom, you worship too, right? And so then mom lifts her hands too. That's the kind of church we get to raise our kids in. That's the vision. Our kids need to see it, need to hear it. They need to see it and they need to experience it through our lives. Amen. Here's what I would like to close with doing this morning. Uh, if, you, if you are a, if you're a parent with a child 18 and younger, would you raise your hand this morning? Okay, look around you. If you're not in this category, look, look around you. I want everyone to stand. And would you put your hand, keep your hands raised as you stand. Would you stand with me this morning? I want you to put your hand on a, on a mom or a dad that maybe has has a kid under 18 and under. So you guys can stand to your feet. Raise your hands again, just so everyone knows. Put your hand on their shoulder. Put your hand on their shoulder. If you're all parents around you, put your hands on each other's shoulders and say, we're gonna make it together, right? <laughs> and uh, let's, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that by the very touch of another human being on their shoulder, whether they don't know, whether they know this person or not, that very touch would be like a reminder of the very presence of God that's near them in this moment. That as that touch touches their shoulder, it's the same as heaven saying, yep, I'm using this person to remind you that I'm with you, my friend. I'm for you, that you're not alone in this, that you could be here at Calvary for the first time or you could be at Calvary for the 2,000th time. But at the end of the day, we're, we're in this together. Lord, I pray for weary moms and dads this morning. Maybe at the end of their rope, exhausted emotionally, exhausted physically, exhausted spiritually. And Lord, we just name that. If that's where we're at this morning, we just name that. Because Lord, honesty with you can bring intimacy with you. And so Lord, I pray for any tired, weary moms and dads this morning. I thank you for what it says in Isaiah. It says that you, when we're tired, you lift us up and renew our strength like our days of youth onto wings like eagles and you help us soar. 
Oh, I pray a touch of your Holy Spirit over all the moms and dads that are tired and weary this morning, that they would leave this morning. Yeah, maybe still physically tired, but I pray a resolve in their soul and their spirit that they can make it through. They can be, they, they have the strength, maybe not strength for tomorrow, but strength for today. Just that daily bread idea. We just, we just take the strength and the power you give us one day at a time. And Lord, I pray for the grandmas and grandpas in this room the great grandmas and grandpas in this room. I pray for those that have gone before us. Lord, for us as parents, we need to hear their encouragement. Lord, I pray you would give them a wisdom and a discernment. Lord, I, th- I, w- I pray you would give us the scriptures say that you give dreams to those in the grandparent and great grandparent generation. I pray that our, our grandparents would dream dreams for this generation would dream dreams of faith. I thank you that, the, that the, the crown, the jewel in their crown is their grandkids. And I pray that they would, they would rise to the challenge to say, I'm here to support the parents any way they need to raise and, and to love young, the next generation to who you're calling them to be. So strengthen our grandparents. And Lord, for those in this space, in this room that don't have any kids, that don't have any kids of their own, maybe blood by blood, but Lord, I thank you that as a family of God, all of us are called to care for one another's kids, whether they're ours or not, they're all yours and we just steward. And so I pray that you would strengthen and give a vision to the people in this room that maybe don't have kids of their own. Would you give them a vision of how to support and how to care and how to love and how to walk alongside a mentor and show the way to our young people. So Lord Jesus, for those that are struggling in their marriage this morning because of all the things in life, strengthen them. Give them a resolve to not quit. Give them a resolve to say, don't grow weary in doing good, to keep serving one another even when they don't feel like it, to keep putting their marriage first above their kids even when they don't feel like it because our kids need to see strong marriages. So I pray a blessing and a resolve and a unity over the marriages, over the parents, over the grandparents, over the people of faith that are helping raise this next generation. We thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.